This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Joe Gergen is the conservation manager at Safari Club International Foundation. And one of his priority objectives in his role is running the African Wildlife Consultative Forum, AWCF. It's a forum that's been going for two decades, and it's really an opportunity to get all of the African states that undertake sustainable use of wildlife all in the same room, discussing issues, discussing uh, ideas, and especially this year, the 20th anniversary happening in Maputo, Mozambique, is a month ahead of the Conference of Parties for CITES, the COP, uh, essentially, for this year. And so they're discussing some very, very important issues. So we wanted to have Joe on. The AWCF conference is happening in early October. I wanted to give you guys a little insight into what's happening there. Give him an opportunity to talk about this thing that he loves so much. And... Uh, give you just a little bit more information about what's happening from an Africa policy legislative perspective. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name, my name. Is <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. So, when do you when do you leave for Mozambique? <laughs> uh, Friday. Yeah, quick turnaround. 3 days, 4 days from now, huh? 
Uh-huh. Yeah, lots to get done. And packing. So Mozambique, you've been to Mozambique before, right? Yeah, man. I was there in May to prepare for this, uh, this, AWCF, this AWCF event that uh, we're going to talk about. And uh, you got to explore Maputo, and I was like raised as a kid in Maputo. I was... I know. Christmases, Easter's, birthdays, I ran the streets of Maputo. Like there was a street where all the embassies were. My grandparents lived yeah. on the street of the embassy. If you, when you go to Maputo next time, okay, where is the convention happening? What hotel? It's at the Radisson Blue. Is that next to the Palana, near, down there by the Palana? Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Okay, so when you leave the airport, okay, and you first see the ocean in Maputo, you know, you go around this, there's a huge roundabout, you, you almost mm-hmm. like tee into this thing that drops off to the left, where if you went down that road, it goes to Costa do Sol, you make a right to go to the Radisson. Right. Right at that T. Wow. The, the road that is over from the T is where all the embassies are, and that's where my grandparents lived. Jeez. We used to, as that kids... That was such a great description. I was right there with you. Yeah, we had... We, we, as kids, used to... The pavement is probably still all broken today, but the pavement was all broken, mm-hmm. and we used to make, like, concrete ramps, and we used to ramp our bikes, like, with the neighborhood awesome. kids, with the embassy kids, like, up and down the roads there. It was, it was yeah, Maputo's a cool city, man. You know, people talk about the nightlife. I didn't really know what to expect in Mozambique. It wasn't really like anywhere else I've traveled, but um, it'll be fun to get back uh, for our big event. The last time I was there, we were coming back from dinner in a rental vehicle. I was driving. My wife was next to me. My brother was in the back. His wife and my mother was in the back, and we got pulled over by a open top truck that had seven or eight people with ak-47s on it <laughs> and they all piled out and surrounded the well, vehicle and everyone was just like holy smokes what's going on i was like no, no and i just and i was like no english i, I you know no portuguese, yeah, no portuguese. I, just in you were like ah go 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 i was able to get around with some spanglish um some of my colleagues have been re-upping on their portuguese lessons but um i think i'll be okay so, Joe Gergen, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. Um, Thanks, Robbie. Give us uh, who you are, who you work for, and what the hell is AWCF? Yeah. Yeah, first off, thanks for having me on. I've been following Blood Origins now for a few years, and cool to get on the pod finally. And uh, yeah, congrats on, on creating such a great platform here. No, thank you. Yeah, originally a hunter and fisherman from Wisconsin. I was just back home. Last week, bear hunting unsuccessfully, unfortunately. Uh, it's my story of my a, life. Bear hunt, unsuccessful black bear hunting is the story of my life. Yeah. But I had a good time. Um, and I've been, been working for Safarco International Foundation now for seven years. I'm the conservation manager there um, in Washington, D.C. What did you do? Your, what was your education background? Spent some time in New Orleans. I'm a Tulane grad, environmental studies and science. But uh, funny you ask, because I'm also a full-time grad student <laughs> nice. in conservation biology, but that's, that's another episode, maybe. Uh, so conservation background. You bet. Doing a master's right now, and you're the conservation manager for Safari Club International, and you have the, uh, the distinct pleasure of running this thing that is AWCF. So what is AWCF? Yeah, well, first off, maybe a bit about SCIF. Um, we're, we're a small team in conservation, but I think we do a lot 
most people, and mo- I think most of your listeners, know SCI as first for hunters, all the government affairs work and, and great work that they do, you know, convention and, and the membership side of things. But the foundation is where we implement our conservation mission. Um, so we invest our donor money in priority wildlife management projects and, and issues. So historically, we've funded research all over the world, probably on every big game species in North America, with a focus on predator-prey dynamics, uh, species reintroductions over in Africa on lion and leopard, uh, various anti-poaching things, and also Central Asia, trying to support uh, community-based trophy hunting programs for wild sheep and goats. Um, and we've actually made a, a big effort in the last few years to really change the way we implement that mission in um, focusing on key strategic areas, uh, rolling out the first of those recently on African leopard population surveys. So my, my colleagues are working on a survey up in Botswana. Mm-hmm and grizzly and black bear, conflict prevention out west, uh, management issues with some population research going on in the Yukon, and then also chronic wasting disease, and um, trying to assess sort of the risk factors and public opinion within the hunting community about CWD, recognizing those three issues as really key to the future of hunting. Yeah, for sure. It's a huge issue. And along, along those lines, I'm also sort of our Africa guy and do a lot of our international affairs with CITES and IUCN. Those, uh, we can chat about those. But um, AWCF is the African Wildlife Consultative Forum. It's been SEIS flagship event in Africa for the last two decades. I've been lucky enough to be involved for the last six of them, and it's really turned into a passion. Six decades? Six, six years. So it's an annual <laughs> event that we host with a uh, country from Eastern or Southern Africa. So it's been going for more than 20 years. This is our big 20th anniversary. Okay. Laputo, Mozambique. First week of October. My f- very first one was in Arusha, Tanzania. Just an amazing experience along the way through uh, Uganda, Zimbabwe. Unfortunately, a virtual one in there as we all um, went virtual in 2020. And then uh, last year in Botswana, celebrating their reopening of tourist hunting and community benefits from, from that as well. But yeah, it's been, it's been a really great privilege to do that for SCIF as, as sort of a young guy in this conservation field. As I said, this is our big 20th anniversary. Uh, owe a lot to sort of the previous SCIF staff and volunteer leaders that formed this forum 20 years ago uh, and, a, and a colleague who was still involved, George Pangetti, sort of my right-hand man in Harare, uh, lives in Zimbabwe, who was involved all those years back. Mm-hmm. Really. Uh, How many countries are involved, Joe, in the AWCF? It's about a dozen. How many countries uh, could be involved? Let me say right. that. Maybe that's so, a better question. Our current attendees are sort of three-pronged in the stakeholder groups and it it began as a high-level government forum for directors of wildlife management authorities to discuss 
CITES and other, you know, hunting issues. And then along the way, they decided to involve the professional hunting association, the leaders of those national associations and community-based organizations as well. We have roughly 12 countries that regularly participate primarily from the SADC region with the core pro-sustainable use countries that do you know, the bulk of the hunting of, of the iconic species, if you will. But also, um, as I mentioned, Uganda is involved, Ethiopia and Cameroon as well. And there, there, yeah, there's certainly plenty of more countries uh, that we'd like to... Are there to countries that currently hunt that are not in the AWCF? Certainly. I mean, there is so much hunting going on in Africa that... Um, like which country would, would be that? Because Malawi doesn't hunt, so Malawi wouldn't be in there. Uh, we actually have some community representatives from Malawi that have attended last year and coming this year. They're okay, actually very awesome. involved in uh, the community leaders network. And uh, yeah, I know there's, you know, Malawi um, is doing a lot with their national parks and moving some elephants around and reintroducing species, but not doing any of the big term hunting. But I think there is a little bit of, um, I don't know, croc crocodile hunting and what have you. Um, you know, the DRC and CAR mm -hmm. and more Chad. Africa, we'd love to um, invite and involve those countries but um, you know as we can get into some of the issues especially around CITES there is unfortunately a divide in Africa in approaches southern and eastern Africa taking a sustainable use policy approach and um, West Africa in particular not so much. And that can be, there's some conflict there. Right, right, right. Especially at CITES, right? You've got the Benins, the Togos, the Senegals, the Mauritanias <laughs> of the world that... Yes. That do not hunt at all, period. So AWCF as a, as a you know, what, what is, if you had to boil down the purpose of what you guys do, is CITES it? Is that the purpose? Was that maybe that's what was the purpose and now it's, multi multi-pronged yeah so 20 years ago my understanding um it actually really was formed to discuss regional strategy towards cites but with the intention of including and training and educating rural communities as well in within the hunting sector um, and we've you know also that you know of course scif has its banner all over this event and Everyone there is in support of sustainable use, but it's so much more than just a pro-hunting conference. It's, it's, it really is a wildlife conference. We're talking about uh, community-based conservation, transfrontier conservation areas, uh, priority wildlife research, and, and all sorts of, of priority topics. Um, our first one was in 2002 in Kasane, where we were last year, and we've been able to maintain it for 20 years as an African-led discussion around those issues, which is a really big achievement for us, uh, convening that group for 20 years, certainly not without its challenges and changes, right? Um, but also right. a huge commitment from our, our partners in Africa who attend and co-host with us and end up working with us on these hunting issues. So this big 20th anniversary in Maputo, if you had your... You had your druthers. What would be the outcome that came out of Maputo? If you know you're standing here ten days from now, AWCF is over. Where are you going next year? 
Well, that's a surprise, Robbie. Okay, that's a surprise <laughs> then. Um, I already know, but that was just uh, teasing you. But anyway, um, what would be the outcome of t- this year's 20th anniversary of AWCF that you're like, yes, we made an impact. Yes, this is this is this was a good meeting. What would be those outcomes? No, it's a good question, and sometimes that's hard to answer, right? With a with a forum, with a meeting, because so much of the value is just the network itself, mm-hmm. uh, the face-to-face, you know, the discussions over coffee or, or, or a beer, what have you, um, in the hallways and stuff. But certainly the agenda this year is really geared towards the upcoming 19th Conference of the Parties at CITES, which will be in Panama in November. So I think what Safari Club is looking for is workshopping our own sustainable use voting guide that we put out for each of those conferences with the range states from Africa and getting their input and possibly advising uh, as well on the issues that we're expert on. And um, when you say range states, for someone who's not familiar with the range states, what does that mean? Well, range state of, of the species we're talking about in oh, this case. Oh, okay, okay. So the range states of leopard or hippo or elephant or something like that, those countries that the range of that animal is within. Correct, which, you know, should count for more than a non-range state in terms of, maybe in terms of a vote or just their opinion about wildlife management matters. Fair point, fair point. More so than, say, the United States or the European Union, which gets down to an actual uh, proposal at CITES, which is one uh, very interesting that, um, yeah, yeah, trying to amend the rules of procedure to allow range states a greater voice in the decisions that are made there. That's really sort of the the narrative of a lot of the SADC region of Southern Africa is they want sovereignty in these international regulations. They want to benefit from their wildlife. And unfortunately, so often CITES is not enabling that. So is there a growing sentiment, in your opinion, for out of these... I'll just call them SADC countries. And when I say SADC countries, it's the Namibia, the Botswana, Zimbabwe, Zambia, Mozambique, South Africa, Botswana, sort of the southern countries. Is there sentiment coming out of those countries to do away with the, tr- do away with the illegal... No, I'm framing this question wrong. To, to formalize some sort of legal trade around elephants and rhino? Ivory and horn. Yeah, so, I mean, that's really what CITES has been built around. It's the logo with the tusk through um, the CITES terms. There's been a ban on ivory trade since, oh, the 80s. Uh, I'm not necessarily an expert on all all that. And, you know, there's been a few one-off sales. And then the issue really picked back up three years ago at the 18th COP in Geneva. with just the growing pent-up frustration from Southern Africa not being able to utilize their resources. Meanwhile, they're paying for these stockpiles and whatnot. And that really hit ahead when those parties of the conference, as they're called, made reservations to the current status of elephants, we'll just say, at CITES. Um, a lot of noise about leaving that convention and finding alternatives, uh, which... Right, I think as as hunters and wildlife managers, we support their that pro sustainable use narrative. But 
you know, technically also for hunting trophies, that would not be good because mm-hmm. those are well regulated by CITES as, as it stands now. Mm-hmm. We've actually made, I think, good strides, you know, as much as CITES is really a, dominated by a protectionist agenda and all the NGOs show up there. And that's, you know, one of the true values of Safari Club being an observer NGO there. Uh, trophies are, are, they've been classified as a non-commercial form of trade uh, separately from other, other things. And since that's happened, uh, which we were involved in, my, my predecessors, um, things are okay at CITES, we'll say. The, it's such a delicate matter, right? The, the whole legal, illegal trade. There's great examples around the world of where legalization of, for instance, like alligator skins, the most highly regulated resource out there, um, and it worked and the population is, is doing incredibly well. From a, uh, from a CITES perspective, do they meet every year? Is the COP every year? The COP is the every uh, three years, okay. and it's it's really the big show where okay. all the decisions are made. There are interim committee meetings, uh, technical meetings that push along that agenda and are, gotcha. are supposed to report on progress and various agenda items and whatnot. Gotcha. gotcha. It's a, you know, it's this whole bureaucracy, um, as you can imagine, being a international treaty with hundred eighty some. Uh, government signatories right um, no absolutely absolutely can really be frustrating um but you know is also really intriguing in terms of the geopolitical diplomacy and and those types of things Mm -hmm. going on in the halls Mm -hmm. joe when how does a how are you guys at a does or let me ask this question does the idea of or the thoughts of or the promise of banning that we've seen the banning of trophy hunting, uh, banning, sorry, not a trophy hunting, banning of trophy hunting imports, trophy hunted imports to the United States, to the UK, all the things that we see constantly happening. Is that discussed at AWCF? Yeah, you bet. Um, one of the key functions of this forum is to engage, ha- have the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service from this side engage directly with their peers in Africa and talk about trophy permitting issues. Um, now, that, that's sort of separate of, to the global craze of these, all these proposed trophy ban legislations or administrative rules or what have you. Um, but yes, that is, that is also key here. And what's key is elevating that African voice, whether it be a government official, a politician, or a representative of a community-based organization into that public dialogue, into the decision-making process. And that's where AWCF can be really valuable, I think. Mm-hmm. Is the, just, just talking about trophy hunting import bans, is that language still in the Appropriations Bill, Section 436? I'd have to consult with my government affairs colleagues on the SCI side, but yes, I believe it is still in, so backing up, that's been an issue in the U.S. appropriations bill now for multiple years, right? Many years in a row now. We've been able to defeat it in the Senate side 
with some allies that that SEI works with and have engaged with ambassadors from Africa in Washington, D.C. as well. Um, it passed the House earlier this year, and I believe it is still in the Senate um, mm-hmm. and getting bogged down by all the continuation of government type uh, mm-hmm. discussions, I mm-hmm. think, okay. funding. Okay. If somebody, um, if you want to, you know, somebody's listening to this and they're like, man, I've never heard of AWCF. I'm an American hunter. Why should I give a damn? Well, I think that Africa is one of the most fascinating hunting landscapes and conservation landscapes um, in the world in in general. We're talking about iconic species and livelihoods, um, which are important globally, but also very much applicable to to issues here. Um, And and as you know and and communicate to your listeners so well about the current anti-hunting side and, and, and and those types of radical approaches are all geared towards Africa. And we see that narrative trickle down to predator management mm-hmm. in, in North America. And, and so where, is, where does that end? Um, and in, in general, too, beyond just the, the trophy aspects, we're talking about sustainable utilization of our wildlife resources. We're talking about international policy. I think, I think that's... Um, more relevant to, than people think than just to Africa. Yeah, I agree. I think the I think the whole Africa trophy hunting ban scenario is the lowest hanging fruit. It's the easiest one to tackle. And when people say, "Well, again, I'm an American hunter. I'm never going to go hunt in Africa. So why should I care?" Yeah, you should care a lot because once that low hanging fruit is gone, you're next. You, <laughs> whatever you like to hunt is probably the next low hanging fruit. That's on the total pole, and especially if it's predators, that's certainly what they're coming after. Yeah, and also Southern Africa is really those countries are leaders in protecting vast amounts of habitat, in tolerating the most iconic and dangerous species on the planet. Oftentimes, much more tolerant than than we are, say, of wolves and bears in in the states. That that's for sure. Uh, so. Uh, I, I, you know, so much of our hunting narrative is, well, the world can learn from the North American model. Well, there's a lot to learn as well from the model in Southern Africa, too, in community-based natural resource management. Absolutely. Um, if anybody wants to find out more information about AWCF, Joe, where can, they, where can they get information about this that you've piqued their interest? Where else can they find things? Would it be live broadcast? Like, is anybody allowed to listen in to the Maputo conference? What, give us some details. Well, yes and no. It's certainly, uh, we want to be transparent with the meeting and open. And certainly folks can reach out to me if, they're, if they are interested. But I would just encourage people to go follow SEI and SEIF and our promotion of the event. Um, any news from it in particular regarding um, that upcoming CITES meeting. Okay. Uh, and again, when is it? First week of October, the 3rd to the 7th, we're having our official opening ceremony with the Vice Minister from Mozambique on October 3rd. And the agenda runs all through that week with a attendee field trip to the Maputo Special Reserve, which obviously any trip, any trip and, and wildlife conference in Africa is not complete without some time in the bush. So Nice, nice. And you're still not going to tell the world where the next AWCF is? 
Um, we'll make, we'll, you know, yeah, you have, you have to stay tuned to our communications about it. That, that'll be the hook there. All right. That sounds good. Well, Joe, short, sharp, and sweet, like we like to do it. Uh, safe travels to Mozambique. I'm jealous. Wish I was traveling down there. Uh, maybe next year, wherever, um, wherever it is. <laughs> wink, yeah, wink. you bet, man. I appreciate you having me on and, and all your work with us. And we'll have to do it again sometime. Yes, sir. Cheers. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, a mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.